0: Tell me. What is it, Shalise?
1: What is what? You have to give me a little more to work with here.
0: <laughs> what is it about symbols or emblems that make us feel so connected to them and each other?
1: Well, it depends on the symbol in question. Give me a symbol and I'll give you a reason.
0: All right, fair enough. The bat signal, for instance. We recognize it as the symbol for the Dark Knight of Justice. When it shines in the sky of the fictitious Gotham City, then it's usually a cry for help. The city is summoning the bat.
1: I'm Batman. Or like when you travel to Wakanda in the movie Black Panther, there was a special greeting that all the citizens shared with each other. Arms crossed against the chest, and it's now a global symbol, a sign to say hello or what's up for all African Americans around the world. Wakanda forever.
0: Yeah, that was crazy in a good way. And that's what I'm talking about. When a sign or symbol is associated with good or positive energy, it's easy to understand why people gravitate to it.
1: But when a symbol is steeped in controversial roots, shouldn't people gravitate away from it?
0: Yeah, but I think it's hard for some people to make that transition. For example, if the bat signal was suddenly used to represent an evil villain,
1: how do you think people would react? I think there'd be some major outrage and backlash. Batman's symbol has to always represent the Dark Knight. It would be strange and straight up disrespectful otherwise. I'm not a comic book junkie by any means, but I imagine that's how Batman fans would feel.
0: Oh, exactly. You can't just take a symbol and slap it on to someone or something else and expect everyone to just go along with it.
1: Okay, so I think I know where you're going with this one. You're suggesting that it's the same mentality for people who support our current state flag? I
0: mean, I can only surmise, but for years, decades even, some people have been adamant that the Confederate emblem represents the South's pursuit of independence from the United States, right or wrong a sense of Southern pride, and a celebration of the ancestors who fought and died in the battle. They strongly believe this ideology.
1: But for the same amount of years, people have also been saying it represents racism, oppression. So the problem with the Batman analogy is that we've always pretty much known Batman as a good guy, and his symbol reflects the same. There's no tangible, controversial association. If so, I think creators would have scrapped it. It would have been too difficult to get people to buy in.
0: Yeah, I mean, aside from the blood-sucking mammal, there doesn't seem to be anything blatantly offensive about the bat single. But what if I told you that for a generation of kids across America, not just the South, the Confederate battle flag was actually used as a heroic pop culture icon, akin to the bat symbol.
1: That is crazy. I'm Shalise Hall. I'm Bo York. And this is Red Flag.
0: So who can help us sift through our current infatuation with symbols?
1: I think I found the perfect person who has some pretty unique experience with people who are fans of symbols. His name is Derek Russell. And by day, he's a mild-mannered journalist from Tupelo who often writes about the Mississippi flag. But that is only his secret identity.
0: Oh, yes. I know, Derek. By night, he became something of a podcasting legend, creating after-show podcasts long before the medium exploded in popularity. He's established fan communities through podcasting on television series such as NBC's Heroes, Terminator the Sarah Connor Chronicles, and Smallville. So he's pretty acclimated as to why people become fans of certain emblems.
1: And they also learned he was really cool with John Schneider, who played Jonathan Kent on Smallville. Schneider also starred in the Dukes of Hazzard, which was a little before my time, to be honest.
0: Ah, yeah, Dukes of Hazzard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had a car, the General Lee.
1: That was apparently covered with Confederate iconography. I mean, if you're going to name a vehicle after the Robert E. Lee, then you may as well go all out.
0: But that's just it. Kids probably never connected the General Lee with the Civil War,
1: slavery, racial trauma, or even heritage. That was beyond their years. They just loved the show. And Derek really gives some insight into how television shows serve as a conduit for our love of certain motifs.
2: I think monograms or or emblems are a hallmark of fandom. I think I've read somewhere uh, several years ago that the most iconic symbols, recognized symbols in all over the world, whether you speak English or speak some other language, is the Christian cross, Elvis Presley's face, and the taking care of business, his taking care of business lightning bolt logo and the Superman shield. So obviously icons like that, motifs, insignias, whatever you want to call them, are integral to what people can identify with. That that's why a logo is so important to brands. Uh, you you flock to it. You know that's why Pepsi has kept the same kind of logo for over the years. It's the reason we identify with the Golden Arches. It's the reason why the the Ghostbusters logo goes from 1984 to its most recent film. There's so many different. Seals that people can attribute to something they identify with. and I, I think that that's true in any medium, not just pop culture, but also from a presidential seal to a state seal. Um, it, it becomes a very it, it triggers something in your mind when you see uh, this that it almost becomes an allegory for you when you enjoy those things, when you you recognize uh, a Superman
0: Shield. But what is it about a movie or a television series that really connects with an audience?
2: I think whether it's 2018 or 1966, television shows take you out of whatever's happening in your own life. They're an escape. I think that's why people really engross themselves in the medium so much is that they identify with characters. They don't identify with them, but think that it's a huge part of has been a huge part of our lives since the invention of the television. And when scripted programming started coming out, I mean, that's why, you know, MASH had the highest series finale of all time for its time. That's why so many people watched I Love Lucy when it came on. That's why, you know, little Ricky's birth was garnered such huge numbers and ratings. Ricky, this is it. And, you know, even non-scripted, that's why people still watch Survivor or The Bachelor. Uh, people like to be entertained and whether or not what they're watching is entertaining, uh, they find some sort of commitment to it. It's, it's a fascinating phenomenon how people trend with television, specifically uh, scripted Television, when people, when actors are playing characters uh, that don't exist—that that's not a real thing—but it's it's kind of this just special little time where you get to visit this other world or this other place and forget about
0: you for a little while.
1: I imagine that's how kids and people in general felt watching the Dukes of Hazard, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, like you know, it, it was about a family living in Hazard County, Georgia. Just a
3: good old. Never
0: mean it no harm Bo, Luke, Daisy Duke, they were cousins, and they were always fighting with the town sheriff and his incompetent deputies. And the theme of the show was like these good old boy outlaws fighting against a corrupt judicial system or government. that was always trying to lock them up. But the Dukes always seemed to emerge victorious in the end.
1: so maybe I can kind of see this theme as us against them, right? The Duke boys representing the Confederate Army with their car, the General Lee, and they're fighting against this quote corrupt judicial system, which I would guess would be the Union Army back then. Maybe I need to check out some more YouTube videos because, according to Derek, that show was almost bigger than life.
3: And the Hills Dukes of Hazard shop is packed with lots of official Dukes clothes for kids, all genuine Dukes and fun to wear, and lots of Dukes toys too, all the real thing.
2: Dukes of Hazard. Visit. I Duke's think Dukes of Hazard transcended cultural phenomenon for its time i think it's kind of remembered as being this brief snapshot of down home kind of hokiness uh for its time it really resonated with the people that watched it i mean there are still conventions people still line up for these actors and for the show and still watch them religiously uh for a series that i think ran seven seasons and had, you know, a few spin-off movies, had a cartoon series, had a big screen adaptation uh, a decade or so ago. They had it down to a formula of what the show was going to be. And it didn't matter if, you know, I think in all honesty, they could have done almost the same story, recycled a script from season to season and people
0: still would have eaten it up. It sounds like the Duke boys were like the popular troublemakers in high school, with a cool car.
1: Yeah, let's get into this car, the General Lee. Derek explained that it was like the Superman symbol of the show. I imagine it could have easily been the Bat-Signal too.
2: The Dodge Charger, it was an orange... (laughs) It was, uh, how best to describe it. The General Lee is, uh, it was a 69 Dodge Charger, it was orange. And it was Bo and Luke's uh, vehicle of choice. Obviously, it was the um, it was their getaway car. It was their high speed pr- pursuit car. It, uh, it and the doors were welded shut on it. So you know, you often would see Bo and Luke in their tight jeans sliding across the hood or, or climbing in through the windows to get get away. Being in the South, the car's name was referenced to uh, General Robert E. Lee and. It was just iconic. I mean, the, the horn played Dixie and uh, it had the Confederate flag on the roof and had the 01. But I think, you know, it was just so, such a, a time period piece to see Bo and Luke climb through the windows and, and speed off through the fields of Hazard County, Georgia.
1: So, quick recap. A car with a Confederate flag named General Lee and it played Dixie? I had to ask, what type of message did this send to viewers?
2: I don't think the car ever was meant to be uh, uh, anything malicious. I think the car was always meant to be this jovial happy thing in in the world of the show. I think, you know, when you saw Bo and Luke coming in the General Lee, you knew help was on the way. You knew something good was coming. You you knew it was, it was going to be a good day when, when Bo and Luke were coming. You know, they weren't Really sending out a message. The car was just called General Lee because you know, he was the Confederate general from the South, and it was always kind of the South will rise again uh, in the Dukes of hazard you know, that they're always going to one up the bad guys and they're always going to be one step ahead and they're going to save the
0: day. And that may be exactly how most saw it. The General Lee was just an awesome ride. But when you know history and you're living in Mississippi, where tensions are high regarding the flag, I can't help but wonder if there was just a complete lack of regard or just a general obliviousness back then.
1: But well, I think it was both. When you're dealing with an entertainment industry that is largely controlled by a white majority, I don't think how we feel is necessarily taken into consideration. I know adults who watched the show as kids and thought nothing about the Confederate images because it was just beyond their understanding back then. It was a fun show to watch. But now as adults today who know and understand the history of the Civil War, they find a the representation in the show is highly problematic
0: which is an example of how sentiments towards confederate iconography have evolved throughout the united states and since many now have a different belief about it i'm kind of curious is the same true for duke's fans
2: i don't think the general Lee means anything different to a avid duke's of hazard fan in 2018 than it did in 1979 uh, I, I don't think that public outcry or public opinion has changed the court of public opinion has not changed the jury of the Dukes of Hazard. I think people are still going to stand by it, still love it. They're still going to have a Confederate flag sticker on their own car or still have an 01 on their own car because of their love for that show. But I do know that when you love something so much, it's hard for anything to change it. And you have to be convinced of something to lose the affection. Um, That's why people stand by problematic figures in Hollywood. That's why people stand by problematic emblems. I, you know, I think that anything that you have a deep affiliation with and affection for strikes a chord in you so much that it's hard to let go of it or change your opinion
1: on it. That's it right there.
0: Wait, what's it
1: right? Where? What Derek said Anything that a person has a deep connection with, affiliation, affection, it strikes a chord so deep that it's difficult to let it go or change your mind. And that's why I think we still have our current flag.
0: And the Dukes of Hazzard, no matter how many loved it, cannot change what the flag represents for a lot of people. But it's really not about a car or a television show. The show wasn't trying to change people's minds about the Civil War. In a lot of ways, it confirmed what people still believe today, that the South fought for something honorable.
1: Exactly. In this case, art is imitating life. It's like a revisionist wrote the script. It took something that we find hurtful and problematic and turned it into the symbol of heroism. I don't think it was deliberate, but it speaks of how people try to convince us that our feelings toward the flag are trivial, or that the flag does not represent what we think it does. I don't think our love for an object should overshadow the holistic well-being of an entire state.
0: It's also about getting those in support of the flag to clearly comprehend that it does produce trauma in African Americans, and to care about that trauma.
1: Speaking of which, we are fortunate enough to have an expert in the field here in our hometown. Dr. Andre Ori is a political science professor at Jackson State University, the we love, and has dedicated his research to studying images such as Confederate iconography, and specifically, the physical impact they have on African Americans.: Yes, perfect
0: segue. Dr. Ori is really deep into biopolitics, which is where biology and political science intersect. In a nutshell, it's a systematic study of biological-related activities. He found a way to merge biopolitics and racial trauma.
1: In fact, there was an attorney named Carlos Moore who filed a lawsuit exerting that very thing that the flag was a symbol of white supremacy that harmed him and his daughter or something of that nature. But it's probably better if Dr. Ori explains the science first.
3: When I was interested in the research, I was trying to understand, you know, how the flag may, in fact, impact African Americans specifically. Because, you know, here in Mississippi with you know the flag being in the canton, some African-Americans perceive it to be a symbol of hatred. And so the trauma piece comes in because Carlos Moore, the attorney who filed a lawsuit, or filed a couple of lawsuits, said that the flag bothers him. And you have to be able to show or provide evidence that there is harm in these civil cases. He did not show that because he didn't have any systematic analyses that did that. And so I wanted to actually examine this concept of racially traumatic stressful events or symbols. And what I found out science, I mean, psychology rather, had already come up with something called race-based trauma. And, you know, based on the definition of trauma as it relates to the DSM, which is the Manual of Mental Disorder, There was a more recent version that came out, and this is the DSM-5, and what makes trauma-related here is that it can be either direct or indirect. Trauma itself is this exposure to aversive events, in my case, symbols.
0: Now, here's the cool part. Dr. Ori and his team bring participants into their laboratory and connect them to electrodes, electrodes- test for electrodermal activity, which is basically how you measure, of all things, sweat.
3: It's the only, one of the only physiological responses that is associated with the sympathetic nervous system, which is the fight or flight. And so the rest and digest is associated with the parasympathetic. And in this case, we're only interested in the sympathetic in terms of its association with emotions like fear and anger. And so what we do is we bring them in. We show them random images, which are stimuli. And those images for us included happy images, penguins or what, whatnot. And then we had, you know, Confederate flag symbols. You know, there are some that show the flag, Mississippi State flag, on top of the Capitol. Um, there are some that have flags on T-shirts and we see whether or not when someone' actually witnesses those those symbols, whether or not there is this arousal, and that arousal is considered to be an emotional, and so it's how much they sweat beneath the, you know beneath the surface, clearly, it's not like profusely that's how we actually test it, mm-hmm. although in more recent weeks, we have begun to actually look at eye gazing. It's called eye tracking. And so we look at where they focus and how long do they focus. So they have an opportunity to look around different parts of the flag, for example, or the different parts of the capital. But if they focus on the canton, that means that that's their focus. And so there's something called a heat map, and it tracks how often and um, you know how much you actually focus in on that particular symbol.
1: So Dr. Ori and his group basically test African-Americans to see if Confederate emblems produce a fight-or-flight response. And that's interesting because the fight-or-flight response happens when a person feels as if they're in danger of something.
0: And he's also testing for conscious and unconscious bias.
3: But we also do something called an implicit association test, where that actually tests one's unconscious affection or disaffection for a particular symbol. The most notable one is race. And so we look at, you know, whether or not someone has a bias towards whites or blacks, to keep it simple. The way it works is that you're given a battery of words. They are not associated with race, but they are associated with good or bad. For example, funeral. And then you're actually given also, I'm in the same sequence, right before black as a word, or African-American as a word, or white. And what we want to do is to see whether or not when you see blacks, does it facilitate or inhibit whether or not you respond faster to a negative word relative to whites or a good word relative to whites. And it calculates at the end, you know, the speed for which you respond. Mm. And so these are non-conscious because, you know, you can't sit And, you know, deliberate or you can't sit and think and, you know, convince yourself. In other words, you can't give a social desire for response, which is what we often find in surveys. I mean, who's going to admit whether they have a bias against blacks or whites?
1: Well, I tend to think that if someone supports the current state flag, then there must be a bias. What else could we assume? If we're saying that it's a slap in the face and that it represents me as an African-American and other minorities, a celebration of a time period where people who look like me were under constant threat and their response is no, that's not what it really means.
0: That brings me to this point. I wanted to know if a childhood show like the Dukes of Hazzard, which repeatedly exposed many to Confederate symbols, could have conditioned people to view them in positive ways. Since, as Derek kind of addressed, it was associated with childhood heroes who fought against injustice.
3: People who have a fear of phobia, for example, of snakes, if you show them these images enough, then it trains the mind to not have this phobia. But yeah, It has its limitations because those images are not real. But education is the key, in my opinion. And so if if people understood, for example, that when you have a poor education system, you're going to produce poor... Populations, and so that's because you know your human resources and human capital are not at you know the point that they need to be to essentially quote unquote raise themselves up with those non bootstraps for us, it's not about training, but if we can expose folk who are supportive of the flag to the history associated with the flag. Then it does not become or continue to be this icon of the South. Rather, it's an icon of what it is, and in many cases, it's hatred. You know, until textbooks provide that information whereby, you know, you can socialize people because education is one of the strongest agents of socialization, then, you know, we're going to continue to find support. Until there is, unfortunately, a violent episode, such as what happened in South Carolina.
2: Breaking news, that plea from the governor of South Carolina just days after those horrific shootings during a Bible study. Late today, she urged lawmakers to take down this Confederate flag flying on the Capitol grounds in South Carolina, arguing there are no winners or losers when it comes to the flag debate, and then argued in light of what's happened, it is time to move that flag.
3: Until we can sort of change the mind or challenge the mind, which is what happened, you know, in South Carolina, that challenged their support of something like Dukes of Hazard, not necessarily the show, but the icons such as the symbols that are used in there, it may lead to folk, you know, not supporting it.
1: Well, it sounds like, in a roundabout way, that Dr. Ori is saying no. People cannot be technically conditioned to love a flag that they are just socialized into accepting.
0: And the only way to combat this is through education and providing a factual history of our country, the flag, and its associations, whatever good, bad, or ugly they may be
1: which is what we're attempting to do. Although there will be probably some naysayers who disagree.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a sensitive topic. And although Dr. Ori is still working on his research, he has found that subjects are showing signs of trauma when exposed to Confederate iconography, among other things. However, I'm not sure if that's enough to really make a difference.
1: And I'm not sure if we'll ever see a day when the flag is universally seen as a symbol of good or evil. I find it interesting, though, that for someone like Derek, who has such a high appreciation for lore and artistry of heroes and villains— The flag is such a clear thorn of frustration, both personally and professionally. He and I discussed his attempts to enlighten or share his thoughts on the flag as a journalist. And his response is a snapshot of Mississippi's current state of affairs when it comes to changing the flag.
2: I'm I'm met with much resistance when I write about the flag. I think that, again, people feel so strongly about it that they feel the need to call me up and, and tell me I'm wrong or shout at me that I'm wrong or email me that I'm paragraphs on why I'm wrong. And that's fine. People can say I'm wrong all day long. I don't care about that. What I care about at the end of the day is the people that are affected by it in a negative sense don't have to see it flying over their heads anymore. And I'll continue to write about the flag. I've received threats. I've writing about it. To be scared of something like that is is to give in to the very hate that that flag represents. And I think it's fine to rally around a symbol. I, think it, I don't think there's any issue with honoring... Something that you identify with, whether it's oh one one on the side of an orange car or it's the bat signal in the sky or any kind of emblem that you that evokes some sort of emotion or feeling out of you. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but I don't know a lot of people that other than the Joker or the Penguin that see the bat signal and feel hatred in their hearts and minds towards it. I don't see a lot of people see emblems and are reminded of how they're still maligned and hated today as a society and something that we should have been over as a community and humanity should have not swept under the rug and definitely not forgotten, but it definitely have moved on from decades ago. The fact that we're still having this argument on whether on who is a person on, and whether or not color of the skin judges more than content of character is beyond me.
3: Welcome to Mississippi. You've been here all
0: along.
1: Did you die and go to hell or did you wake up from on-
0: Red Flag is produced by Pottery Studios and hosted by Bo York and Shalise Hall. Our music is by Clouds and Crayons with additional music provided by Lokai and Tiffany. Album art by Tyler Tadlock. This episode was written by Rachel James Terry. Transcriptions by Daisy Stackpole. Special thanks to advising producers Roderick Red and Derek Russell. Be sure to see our show notes for additional credits and links to the stories referenced in this episode. If you want to learn more about how you can support the creation of this podcast, please visit redflagpodcast.com and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at redflagpod.